Running, running, running. That was three times. That stands for R3, which also stands for relative run readiness. Does it? Yeah, I think it does. We have a special request today from all of you listening. Did you like the last podcast? If no, then forget this request. You better say yes. Yes, but I bet you liked it, right? And if you liked it, did you actually like it? Did you share it? There's a, isn't there like a like button? Can't you heart it or something? I don't know. Can you? I don't know. I don't know these things. I think so. But you can share the podcast with your friends who probably would like it too. Be nice to your friends. Share this podcast. Yeah, man. So we are asking, we want to grow, right? And we are actually, well, I guess I should say, first of all, thank you to everybody because we, our podcast downloads doubled last month. Yeah, it's crazy. Doubled, which, which means that... Now we four people like two, us yeah, instead yeah. of two. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we we are really we're really excited about that, guys. Um, which means that people like the rebranding. People like the fact that we were focusing now on running. And yes, we initially what was it December. We lost listeners initially. We took a little time off. A little, yeah, because they were saying, some people were saying, hey, they're going to switch over to just talking about running, and that's not really something I'm as interested in, and that's fine, but it tells us we made the right move, and also because obviously people must be sharing us to some extent if we have doubled the downloads, but then also looking at our reviews and what people write about us in our reviews, we would like to see that we get some new reviews in. And I certainly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. So write a review if you haven't before. We would really appreciate it. You'd be surprised at how far that goes. So that's all I got to say about that. And we want to also introduce Mr. Bill Rogers to the show. Bill Rogers. Hello, everyone. For Boston Marathons, for... New York marathons to Los Angeles marathons is what another guy won. But your name is also Bill Rogers. <laughs> Which was great as a runner in the 80s because every time I raced, woohoo, I beat Bill Rogers today. Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, no. You're the Bill Rogers that everyone beat. Huh? Right. Oh, that's sad. Right. So, <laughs> but now, but now, so what we're going to do today is talk with a little bit more experience, a guy who's been doing this program with relative run readiness. We have Bill who's been working through some of his progressions in the last six weeks or so. We've made a lot of progress, but he brought up some good points to me. I thought we could talk about it today because there's a lot of you out there going, hmm, little aha moments, I think. And he said something brilliant to me the other day. We were talking about the our rate of perceived effort and how that correlates in conditioning more so because i know that when it comes to our experiences it's all a little bit different how we perceive things and so bill said the exertion of strength is equivalent to endurance when it comes to your rate of perceived efforts so we want to talk about that a little S- bit say that again well i'll have bill bill talk about it a little bit give right? us your quote again what was that quote uh, the rate of perceived effort during strength should be equated to rate, rate of perceived effort during endurance so that when you accumulate perceived effort, you should count both equally because it's you're accumulating it over a period of time. So what does that really mean? Let's break this down a little bit. 
what is hard versus what is easy. So I like to put it in a one to 10 scale, right? So one being, hey, you could do this forever and ever and ever. And then 10 is I cannot literally cannot hang on for one more second or one more rep in this. Right. Um, So is is your perceived effort really matching up? Right. So first of all, kind of gun to your head scenario. What I talk about, especially when it comes to doing, let's say, reps. So if somebody does 10 reps of something and they say, yeah, that was a 10 for me, I could not have done another rep. Okay, but gun to your head, can you squeeze out a couple more reps? And really, in reality, they probably could have even squeezed out three or four more reps. Now, to me, that comes with a little bit of experience too. As as you get more confident in the movements, as you become more efficient in the movements, then you probably are a little bit closer to your actual reps and reserves or your rate of perceived effort. But newer athletes tend to rate themselves a little bit higher oftentimes when it comes to strength training, like saying, hey, that was a 10 for me or that was an eight for me. And really they had several reps left. They just don't realize it because they don't have the experience yet. But when it comes to the conditioning side of things, I think this is where it gets pretty interesting because what you uh, love to do versus maybe what you know that you should be doing. In other words, I'm going to do the strength training so that it gives me better capabilities and capacities for my running goals. But what I love to do is, is running. So when it comes to that, I think that athletes are a much closer to their rate of perceived effort. Uh, and a lot of what you just said, we covered in our last podcast, uh, which was about rate of perceived effort and, um, reps in reserve. And, and I think that you're right that that transition over into how does this apply to my running and my endurance, Bill, you made that connection because you, uh, are not only a partner in this business, you are also a client in this business. And so, uh, I'm interested in what, uh, how you came to the statement that you came to, how you came to connect those dots in your own training and in your own body. Well, for instance, Matt and I had a discussion today about, wow, we're feeling last Saturday's workout. It's about capturing the, uh, the effort you had over the week and making sure you don't overtrain and you train at the proper optimal level. And you only increase that at certain increments, say 10% a week. So for instance, uh, Matt came in this morning and says, my hamstrings are sore from those hill sprints. And, uh, it, you know, so he, it's easy to quantify hill sprints as a perceived effort. And I came in and said, I went on a bike ride yesterday and man, my back was feeling those uh, hip thrusters. Now, I, normally we wouldn't quantify the hip thruster as a perceived effort drill. However, it needs to all be captured in a bucket. So something we're missing doesn't force us to overtrain. Yeah, I like that. And if you guys listen back to the interview with Brody Sharp, he talks about how to quantify that a little bit more with a sort of a system he has with rate of perceived effort. So I think that's that's useful. And in other words, if you do something that you rate as a five, and you did that for 10 minutes, you might rate that as 50 in your overall rate of perceived effort log. Now, let's just compile everything throughout the week and say that your total number got to 
oh, let's just call it 500, right? So your total rate of perceived effort number was 500. Now that's that's everything all in throughout the week. Then taking 10% of that, you would go to maybe 550 of your RPE at most that following week, right? Isn't that what we're talking about here, Bill? Yes, correct. And so when you do that, I think it gives you a little bit I think more of a useful number than if you're just going off of, let's say miles, right? Or even minutes, right? But let's let's talk about miles for a second. The, the flaw in that I think is, I, I call this the Kenyan shuffle. Um, I think I got that from the book, More Fire, but they, they talk about how when you're running easy and when uh, the Kenyans are going out and doing their easy runs or they're starting off, for the first, let's say, five miles, and they're just kind of shuffling along, even on a longer 20-mile run, then they might be finishing with a sub-five-minute mile, but how many miles did they do in just a shuffle, right? And it, it got me to thinking about that a little bit more because when people are quantifying just miles, it doesn't really tell you how many of those miles were done truly easy, how many of them were done at a harder pace, right? And we know that probably a good 80% of our running should be done easy, but running with you, when we run easy, we've had to kind of learn that, right, Bill? Like I would say, Correct. hey, you're starting to run ahead of me. You're starting to run faster than me for an easy pace, and yet we know that if you and I were to go head to head in a race, that I'm going Might to be win. a bit faster, right? <laughs> so does it make sense that you're running ahead of me on an easy day, right? So I know you can talk about that a little bit more, Bill, your experience on that, but I'm very proud of how you've taken really ownership of just monitoring these things. And you're a little bit more of a numbers geek, uh, which I love because you're looking at these numbers and being able to relate them to your overall energy system development plan. So things like your heart rate have improved quite a bit by really truly going easy on your easy days and then your harder days have gotten much more productive am i right absolutely uh, what you've showed me is i need to take it easier on my easy days and i need to really put it out on the quality days and it makes a huge difference and i'm seeing that taking it easy in the as i call the mr miyagi method uh, wax on wax off even though it's you're training in what quote zone one, it's really valuable, and you stick to those zones. You always we tend to drift to zone two, zone three because it feels like we're not getting the the benefit. But it's it's really hard to track, and I've become a fan of training with power. I've seen it in cycling how it really helps, uh, you know, specificity and training in specific zones. And I'm, I've got a power meter on my shoe now, and I'm comparing it, and I'm learning the differences of perceived exertion of power through cycling and running. So running, you actually exert more power, as I see it, uh, than you than you realize compared to cycling. So you want to really throttle down your cycling rides in perceived effort so that you don't get the idea you're overtraining when really you're not. And I'm able to quantify that in my own mind uh, to to track total watts produced over a period of time, which yeah, I think no. eventually there's that's the future. I think that's interesting because a lot of runners do a lot of cross training with cycling. And, and I know that that's something that we have you doing quite a bit. So it's important to get those numbers right. Yeah, I think what's really interesting uh, about what you just said, Bill, is is my takeaway as someone who uh, doesn't train the way that you guys train. And, you know, even at my 
running in my top form years ago now, I mean, I don't know that I really had the concept of you need to take it easy really easy on your easy days so that when you do get to those quality days that it is you you are able to match up your perceived effort with what you're trying to accomplish because you do you need that variability it can't be you don't want to be stuck in the middle three zones when really what you want is the bottom zone and the top zone Right. And every time we have a podcast, it gives me an idea for another podcast, right? So I have these breathing methods that I like to use for the easier runs, especially for walking, for easier runs. And I do think that if you're breathing with the methods we talk about, so for example, going easy would be breathing out for four steps, breathing in for three steps. Now, at, at in the beginning, it's a little bit tough to get used to that. And, and you can talk on that a little bit, Bill. But I, what I've found is as we start to run faster and we start to work more towards our thresholds and our intervals, those kind of things, then we want that to be more automatic. But I think that for especially easy runs, it can be really useful to get used to that sort of a pattern, which also, lo and behold, keeps your heart rate in the zone you want it. And we found that matches up really well and that's where i think okay we can call it the kenyan shuffle but essentially what we're doing is we're being humble on those days and we're even realizing that if i try to run up this hill right now for example then i'm going to lose my breathing pattern and that on that particular day it's not that you can't run up that that hill with um, a little bit of a harder effort but that's not the design for that day and you happen to say live in a neighborhood where the first thing to do is to run up a hill right and so we have to control those factors a little bit more so if we're walking up that hill and we're maintaining our four three and our heart rate stays in its zone then we can truly call it a recovery day still right Correct. And you've taught me through running and controlled breathing, I can actually reduce my pulse rate when I forget to breathe, <laughs> especially in cycling. You're just zoning out. You're not thinking about it. And you notice your pulse is elevating. If you start doing the three, two breathing and forceful exhalation, the pulse drops. So it's critical. And it's helped me in hill running. Uh, it helps you coordinate your core for strength. And it's just been, uh, you know, a win-win with uh, breathing and perceived effort. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I I think of uh, the cycling as being kind of like, for me, it's like it's hammer time, right? Yeah. And I just tend to hammer a little bit more, be a little bit more quad dominant, et cetera. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I put more power into my cycling than I realized. And when I started to cycle with you, I started to work on just kind of taking it easy a little bit more, controlling my breathing patterns that way. So it's been kind of fun to to learn to really use that cross training day effectively because it does it again it comes back to the the initial conversation of it goes towards that energy tank right and there's only so far we want to fill that glass and how many cross training days were harder than they should have been right or for that matter though when you decide that you're going to say mix a day and you do what I call nice work, which is non-impact cardio exercise. So you could have something like cycling that could get you the rest of the way. So let's say that you're going to do some threshold work or some interval work, 
but you're not all the way there yet. Maybe you're dealing with a niggle or maybe there is something that is interrupting uh, the, the, the training so that you can't get through, let's say, your total volume that you wanted to hit. But if you jump on the bike and then you repeat the stimulus for those threshold or interval sessions, you're going to be able to follow through with non-impact. But now what you said to me is interesting is that's a different variable on the bike. You have to work it a little differently because it takes right. a lot more to get your heart rate higher, for example, right? Correct. Yeah, you do. And, and also perceived effort I find that controlling your exercise through perceived effort, taking the easy days easy and doing the really tough quality workouts, going all out, I'm able to get more consistency in the number of days I train. Right, right. Now, Chad, would somebody like you, though, going into the programming that you're doing now and then hopefully getting into some variables like mountain running and things like this. I'm not running. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to uh, pace me if you're going to come and crew me on these uh, ultra runs. All right. So we're going to make you do it whether you like it or not. Welcome to the show. Ultra runners walk uphill. By That's the way. right. It's funny because Chad's obviously a very important part of our program. And what I love about it, guys, if you haven't figured this out so far is uh, Chad, he is one of those guys that he will... I think adapt really well and quickly to different training programs and sure he might not have the love for running innately like like Bill and I do but I think you ha are really learning to enjoy the process and then that that bug starts to enter you a little bit more and more and slowly before you know it I think you start to enjoy these kind of these kind of efforts right yeah yeah we've talked about this before I I don't have an innate love for running but you know years ago when when we were running together uh, I did come to love it and enjoy it and there was the social aspect of it because while running is an individual sport most of the time um most of the time you're also running with other people you know mm -hmm. and so there's the the there's the social aspect of the training part of it the social aspect of the uh, performance or racing part of it and i think that that can uh, bring a lot of people together for sure. The other thing that I really love about it, especially when you're talking about the trail running, is is you're running through some beautiful country that normally most people don't get to. If you're just hiking, you probably you might not get to that spot or um, you know something like that. But yeah, I end up do liking it, and and I hate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just gonna sum this up with. I'm going to give my interpretation, and I think it'd be fun if we gave our interpretations on this, but exertion of strength is equivalent to endurance, right? So that's what we started with. So I'm going to tell you part of what this means to me. It's And, and the way I think of it is this, oftentimes with runners, they're they might be just kind of going through the motions when it comes to their protocol and their, their strength training and not necessarily putting as much perceived effort into that right but when it comes to their running their easy runs maybe are a little bit harder because they love they love it and they get excited and they go out there and they don't feel as much discomfort because they're enjoying themselves so much right whereas they feel more discomfort with the weights or with the mechanical loading but we know that cyclic action like running needs mechanical loading so that we can optimize our cyclic action and we can try to also reduce the 
uh, the influence of injury and things like that, right? So to me, it's about knowing the animal. And so paying attention to the protocol that I have for my hamstring allows me to really get so much more out of the running. And what I can testify to is that I don't have hamstring pain because I'm really diligent about the protocol, but I had to train myself to enjoy and respect that process and give it a little bit more of the perceived effort it, it needed so that I could get more out of the extra benefits for my running. And then I st also started to realize that when I'm doing an easy run, it's about discipline. It's about respecting the process and saying, yeah, today it's all about mat maturity and, and thinking that I'm going to get more out of my running by actually going easier that day and improving the recovery. So then on Thursday, when I'm doing my intervals, I'm going to smash it. Right. So that's that's kind of what I've matured to. The younger version of me would have been like, ah, this is not this is not going to get me better. This is just for wimps, you know, running these easy paces. I'm going to, I used to do all of my easy runs would have been probably at least at a 630 pace or, or even faster back in the day, because, you know, I probably read that Prefontaine ran everything in six minutes or faster, even on an easy day. Right. So I think it's about respecting that process and knowing where you're at and knowing what's really working for you. Right. What's your version of it, Bill? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of us got addicted to the Strava KOMs and course records and had to beat the last time we ran the same course. And I think that's that's counterproductive. You said it beautifully. I think one more thing I would add is as long as you're consistent in the way you record your, your perceived effort over time, that's the most important thing. You don't change it up in the middle because you're always comparing to what you had done previously and accumulating. As long as you, you know, record it, my, my rule is if I can record it on my watch, I include it in my perceived effort time. If I can uh, track it on, you know, during a day, I will, I will record it. Uh, but as long as I do that the next week and the next week and the next week and keep the same method of recording it, it's useful to me. Right. And, you know, what I love about someone like you, too, is we started off this 2021 year with power walking and doing a 15 minute power walk course, which you ended up annihilating your results between your first day and then into the last testing day we did on it. And you took it seriously. And then that is showing up now in your threshold training and in your intervals. And uh, I would say that for me, I look back at a course I used to run, it takes me an hour, so I considered it to be a good kind of threshold testing type of course for me. And uh, with doing this type of a system where my intensity days are far more spread apart and I'm, I'm doing a good amount of accumulation and consistency, but that course I ran almost as fast as my best times but without putting any more perceived effort into it, um, I think that that is key that I recognize that I'm recovering that much better. And it actually felt easier to me to run this course in almost my fastest time. So it's working. I second that emotion. 
<laughs> All right. So, folks, uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with the lovely and talented Matthew Pendola and the fantastic and insouciant Bill Rogers. Uh, please, if you do enjoy this, share it, like it. Also, go on to our Instagram or our YouTube or our Facebook at Pendola Project, P E N D O L A, or find us on the web at pendolaproject.com and uh, sign up for things and buy our online programs and um, support us in any way you like. We would enjoy it. Thanks for listening, guys. That's my truth. <laughs>